I mean, he's been putting in work for so long. Putting in a lot of work. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Putting in Work, episode 91 of the Interview Podcast on the 8-Bit Collective, powered by Audio Technica. And this is the first episode from my series of interviews at PAX Australia. Just got back from Melbourne, and man, I had the best time. And kicking it all off, we've got the Global PAX content director. It's Guy Yug Blomberg himself. I did not expect to get this interview. I thought he'd be way too busy to spend half an hour yucking it up with me, but I'm glad I was wrong. It was great to talk to Yug at the Audio Technica booth on the PAX floor. You'll hear the background noise, but thanks to those sweet Audio Technica mics, it all sounds gravy. And I had such a great time talking to Yug about his connection to PAX, how he's been involved for as long as it's been in Australia and worked his way up to now see over this global position. He's making sure that these events run smoothly all over the world, not just PAX, but Comic-Cons and EGX events. And it was also really interesting just to see his journey of how he ended up there because I didn't realize that he was working in graphic arts and web comics and running game websites and holding all these different events over the years that kind of led him towards being on the radar for the Penny Arcade guys who started PAX over in the US all those years ago. And you know, not all of them were successes. There was a lot of stumbling along the way and that's obviously what's led Yug to where he is and it's a great lesson in what he has to say about taking chances and just trying to do things. And you know, we had a great chat about what makes PAX so special. It is this event that brings people together from all over Australia and even New Zealand. These gaming communities that are often separate or connecting online and here we are in one building having just the time of our lives. So yeah, I look forward to a lot of great interviews for the next couple of months. I made the most of my PAX long weekend and have some awesome stuff coming to you. So stay tuned for that. But for now, here is Yug himself, live at PAX. Enjoy the show. Thank you for joining me, Guy. Thank you for having me at your convention. Oh, man, it's not just me. There's so many people involved in bringing this together. Oh, uh, but I'll take... Okay, sure. Yeah, why not? Yeah, why okay. not? I mean, what is your title? Like, uh, oh, head well, honcho? Uh, no, no. I am the... Uh, uh, it changes what is it? a lot, doesn't it? I'm the Global uh, Gaming Content Director. Right. So I oversee uh, the content and collaboration between all the gaming events that ReadPop do. This is obviously mm. PAX in Australia. PAX in North America, the EGX shows over in the UK uh, and Germany, and a whole bunch of other ones across Southeast. I, I forgot, I forgot, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, lots of gaming events. Is, is PAX Australia that extra bit special for being the place for, where it started for are, you? Are you kidding? Of, of <laughs> course it is. This is my baby. Uh, yeah. the, I think the thing that I, I love about PAX Australia especially is uh, the, the Americans always saw it as a bit of a test bed. So we're okay. allowed to kind of go out of out of our way a little bit and do some experimental new things that the, the North Americans wouldn't do. Like the speed running stage was was one that we came up with, or or different layouts and areas and whatnot. And then it's been adopted by the ones over in America. So I'm immensely proud of this show, where it's come from the rainy showgrounds to where it is today. It's amazing. It is like the the calendar event of the year for it, uh, for a lot of us. I think absolutely. So. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and like. Uh, I've had Luke on the podcast before, Luke Lancaster, so yep. I'm kind of yeah. familiar with his role in bringing the content awesome. together. Yeah. For an event like this, are you simply making sure people are doing their jobs or have you got <laughs> a, 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 you know, a responsibility to make certain things happen as well? So here's the thing, like uh, most of my role now, and, and I used to pretty much be Luke mm. sort of thing for the Australian uh, PAX Australia, most of my role now is, is going and overseeing all these events that we do around the world and helping out where it's most needed. So either launches or shows that are struggling a little bit or, or need a bit of uh, management or whatnot, uh, which means I actually spend the least amount of time worrying about PAX Australia. This is, we're six years into this show now, yeah. and uh, I'm not going to say it runs like clockwork that actually uh, downplays the amazing work that the team do, but uh, it's, 
I'm, I'm not needed as much now. It's, it's, it's bittersweet. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's lovely to be here and not have to work as hard as I used to. Yeah. I'm going to play a game. Yeah. I'm going to watch a panel. It's going to be crazy. The reason that I only asked you to do this interview a few days ago was because I just assumed you would be way too busy. No, but I know. Hey. And everyone assumes that. And you know what? It makes it really, really <laughs> easy when it's like, you know, it's like, hey, how you doing? I don't, I don't remember who you are, but I'm really busy. I've got to keep walking. Yeah, right. Uh, but for the most part, no, I've actually got more time on my hands uh, to, actually, to actually chat and catch up with people because most of what I'm doing is like long-term strategic mm stuff and boring things to sure. actually make sure the shows are better in years to come. So actually most of what I do here is actually meetings and thinking and planning about the next PAX right. or the other PAXs in North America or the, the shows in Europe. So, uh, but it's Always fun. thinking ahead. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, we'll get, we'll get into some of that boring stuff in a bit, but for now, <laughs> let's kind of backtrack and talk about how you got into this world itself. Like, did you have... Uh, events management background, were you working in games? Like what was the beginning of this oh, for you? Buddy, uh, so um, I was a, I was a, a graphic designer, self-talk graphic designer. So I did uh, web dev and, and all this for a while. Uh, and then uh, a very good friend of mine by the name of Matt Burgess. Uh, we were web designers and we started, decided to start a website based off uh, a Penny Arcade and Eurogamer and trying to squish those into the, into together. And we created a website called AustralianGamer.com uh, which like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, was actually one of the biggest independent gaming websites in Australia. And through that, I just got amazing opportunities. Uh, I worked for Sega Creative Assembly on a bunch of their games. I worked at uh, a studio called Oren, a game developer up in, uh, in Brisbane, in Queensland. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I, I tried a gaming TV show uh, for a while with a guy called Yahtzee from Zero Punctuation. Yeah, I remember uh, Yahtzee. Hey, there we go. Yeah. All right. Uh, and uh, then uh, opened a series of video game cocktail bars and, and a whole bunch of other stuff in between that failed miserably. Yeah. Um, and uh, eventually uh, I got approached by um, uh, uh, Penny Arcade and Readpop when they were, you know, thinking of bringing packs to Australia. Uh, and, and the people in Readpop Australia that were, that were starting out. And because I'd actually worked across all these different disciplines in the gaming industry, so not just as a, as, a, as a journalist, but also as a developer, as a distributor, working for a publisher, uh, on the TV show, producing, and like managing all these different aspects of the gaming industry, not only did I have a lot of contacts, but I also had a lot of context for like how the different areas of the gaming sector actually work. So I was really well placed to kind of be that guy quite literally, uh, to you know, work on the Australian aspect of a North American show. Uh, so to have those contacts and bring everyone in and bring that local credibility to an event. So that's kind of, that's the, that's the cliff notes yeah. from like then to, to here. Sure. It's interesting, like it, it sounds like the fact that you did so many different things might have been what caught their attention that, oh, this guy, he's probably up for something like this. Yeah, uh, look, uh, I remember, I think it was Manabar because that got a lot of international attention. Um, but I was always very, uh, you know, wanting to actually try different things and wanting to be quite entrepreneurial and even risk it. And I'm actually quite proud of the fact that I, I didn't uh, uh, study sort of thing. You know, everything I did was just taking risks and trying it and lots, lots of failure. Um, but everything I did, even every failure, has absolutely led me to the skill set I needed to be able to doing exactly what I what I am doing today. So that's that's, that's quite a satisfying feeling. Yeah, it's it's cool when you can look at a failure and say, well, that taught me how to do X, and that taught me how to do Y, and now I can do X, Y, and Z. It's it's the cliche, right? It's like, oh, don't worry, it failed, but you'll learn so much from it. No, no, you really 
really do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I can't stress that one enough. Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, I failed my way to the top. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, but a little bit actually. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you kind of glossed over this whole like creating one of Australia's biggest websites for games. Like that in itself must have taken a hell of a lot of work at the time. So what was that like? Was it just simply kind of getting media releases, throwing them up, or were you like actively? Was it game reviews? Was it Finding it, news stories? I, again, it was a, like a combo of Penny Arcade and Eurogamer. So uh, I used to draw uh, weekly comics, mm -hmm. and my colleague Matt and friend Matt used to write the, uh, the articles. And then eventually we grew the amount of writers and stuff on the site. Okay. We had about a roster of 15 different contributors, but it was all very independent. It was all, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no business plan to it. We were making no money off it. This is like you know, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. It's a different prospect then, but we were just enthusiasts. We just loved it. And we actually felt that there weren't many gaming websites or gaming communities that represented Australia. You know, you'd always go to like IGN and GameSpot and like the big publications yeah. over in North, uh, America or Europe, Eurogamer and whatnot. Uh, but back then there was no Australian offices for those websites. So there are a lot of independent gaming websites, PowGen, uh, um, uh, uh, Vooks who's still around, which is amazing, uh, MyGen, and, and there are a bunch of websites, and Australian Gamer was just one of them that popped up, and we just kind of had these personalities that drove it uh, to be way more successful than we anticipated. Uh, it was, yeah, fun times. Wouldn't work today in the same way. Yeah. It's a different world in terms of content creators and personalities on, on video and streaming, but back then it was a bit of a perfect storm. Sure. And was that around the time when you were podcasting as well? Yeah, yeah. So we started the podcast back then. I think all up we did around about 200, 200 yeah. podcasts over the, over the many, many years. Uh, and they were fun. They only ever worked because it was me and Matt. And uh, Matt one of, is one of my best friends. I, 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 like, we've known each other forever. Um, but uh, can I swear on this? You can say what you need to I say. I fucking hate him. <laughs> oh, my God. He's such an asshole. Uh, but, but because of that, we had a really great dynamic right. uh, on a podcast. You can't have two people agreeing on a podcast all the time. You've got to have a bit of tension. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it, it's good to have at, at least different perspectives on, even if people agree, to have them coming from a different perspective. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. But, but understand the other person. It's like, okay, I know you're saying that and you're wrong, <laughs> but I do deep down respect you. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're okay. That's cool. And it's funny, like, I don't understand how iTunes works because I think you're still in the top charts. Yeah, it's I ridiculous. Know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and what's uh, it been, like, three, four years since the yeah. last episode? I think, I think we, did, uh, we did one other episode, like, two years ago, yeah. and we, we discovered that we are two very different people now that have grown up in very different ways. I'm no longer the, the drunk, all shiny things kind of thing, and he's the clever, articulate, sophisticated type. I'm not saying that that's what I am. I'm just maybe not as, uh, as uh, rough as I used to be. Sure. So when it came time to, uh, I guess, start focusing all your energy on PAX, did you have to say goodbye to some of the other things that you were working on? Yeah, it was funny actually because at the time I was still uh, running the Mana Bar. I'd actually gone uh, to do uh, stuff on MCV Pacific, the gaming B2B trade publication. So I was doing uh, marketing and sales for that. And I just started an agency uh, to actually represent uh, groups like the Red Cross in terms of like just a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. And at the time I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like. I'll just add packs to the mix. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Piece of cake. Uh, and it's not that big yet. <laughs> I, well, I even like when I was when I was talking to Reed. Like I actually wasn't uh, full time for like the first period of time with Reed Pop. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm I got a lot of things going on. But after a very short period of time, I'm like, I need to drop everything else 
uh, this is all consuming. And it's weird when you think about just an event that's three days, three, it's three days, man, like of a year, it's just three days. Yeah. But the amount it takes to curate and, and properly do every part of it is just insane, so yeah. That is crazy. And so how did that evolve over time? You're, you know, you said you started out in like more of a content management position. Now you're global, yeah. international. Yeah, I, th I think it, and this is the thing, like if you love games, if you're passionate about games, PC games, console games, tabletop games and whatnot, you can, and you, you work on a show like this, you, you kind of get a sense of it and a feel of like what, what works and what, and what doesn't work and, and what the, the difference is between this and like your, your, your stereotypical uh, E3 type events and whatnot. Uh, and I think there was a period of time because we were growing the Comic Cons globally mm. in all these other countries. And then it was like, we should really be doing this with our gaming shows. We've got the North American and Australian ones. We should be doing this. And at that point, I'm just like, hand up, like, tap me in. I want in on this. And, uh, and again, very entrepreneurially, it just put together like a massive pitch and strategy around a global rollout. And, uh, and it was kind of, you know, given the, well, go on, go do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and here I am. So was was kind of the elevation from just an Australian role to an international one because you were someone that seemed willing to to put their hand up for things and was was making themselves invaluable in many ways. Yeah, I th yeah, definitely invaluable, but more importantly, just just uh, uh, really passionately believing uh, and willing to take the risks as well to actually try things in different regions and different countries and and really push forward on that. It's not just about. Uh, sitting back and, and going, right, well, this is my nine to five, this is my task list, this is my job, this is my, the things I do. It's really going, okay, no, holistically, overall, what is it that needs to happen to make this successful, grow, or work? And then working backwards from that goal and going, okay, well, here's everything that needs to get done. And then it's just putting it together. So really, it's about having the, 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 the vision or the, the dream of where things should be, and then having the, the goal and the, the, uh, the, the a time uh, to actually like lead up to that point. Yeah. And, and the team as well. I can't stress enough how I'm just one part of what makes these shows amazing. There's like whole teams of content marketing, uh, you know, uh, sales, account management, legal, uh, finance and whatnot that go into making a show like this. So yeah. yeah. It's crazy. Like even just coming from like the media perspective for an event like this, the amount of people that I've been dealing with and <laughs> I'm just like, oh wow, like, there's PR agencies on top of PR agencies. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And it's so, it's so sad, actually, because it's like, this is three days, and it's like you see it all build up, and it's like this, and then, like, in two days, it's all going to be gone. Yeah. It's just disappeared Yeah, why forever. can't this be here for, like, a month? I know. It's, just, <laughs> it's, it's kind of sad, actually, to see. Every time at the end of a convention, it just gets torn down. It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy. So uh, it's, it's probably cathartic for everyone. Yeah, I don't want to think about that right now. It's the first day. <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> so. Uh, so in terms of uh, PAX itself, what do you think it is that's made it grow so quickly into to the event that it is now in Australia? You know what, I, I think the, the PAX model is actually very much about uh, trying to actually smush people together to actually meet and hang out with complete strangers. Any gaming show is usually an expo floor that's filled with exhibitors where you line up and you play games and, and that's great. But like all the free play areas, all the panels, all the all the, all the tournament spaces, all the handheld areas with theme bags and whatnot, it's all designed to try and you know, focus people on, well, what area are you passionate about? You like tabletop games, you like PC, you like console, you like this game franchise or series, and then get strangers together to talk to each other. The whole welcome home concept of PAX, I think is a very different value proposition than any other type of gaming show. And it's supposed to appeal to like the gaming community and, and try and bring bring people together in a really meaningful 
way. It's much more of a festival than an exhibition. Yeah. I think that ethos has really driven the show and actually made it stand out from anything else. Yeah, that, that Welcome Home sign and that moniker is just, it does really resonate, I think. And yeah. it's something that, like, last year was my first PAX. And, like, seeing it kind of gives you chills. So it's like, yeah, yeah this is my people. Oh, like, man, I, I know, right? I know, yeah. that's, that's it. It's like, I know everyone here, I'm going to be able to have, uh, actually, you know what, a little side tangent. Yeah. My, the first PAX I ever went to was uh, 2012, I think, in uh, Seattle, PAX West. Uh, and it was when I was just starting out and I was like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I need to learn? And I was told, just go, just go and experience the show, understand it. And I remember I was in the expo hall lining up for, I can't even remember what game. And I had the 3DS at the time and I was like playing it. The guy next to me was like, oh, what are you, what are you playing? I'm like, oh, I just got the Street Fighter thing. With, you know, I'm figuring out the street pass. He's like, oh, this. And then this girl too in front of us was like, oh, are you playing this because I'm doing this? And we got into a conversation for like 20 minutes. And then when we got to the front of the line, Instead of playing the game that we were lining up for, we all jumped out of the queue <laughs> and started fucking geeking out about all the different games that we had on, that we were downloading on 3DS. And That's it was bad. like that to me was was a great like, kind of moment and insight into, you know, uh, we can build it, they will come, and all this kind of stuff. But really, it's this vibe and culture uh, uh, around the community that that makes it a little bit different. I think so. It's hard to quantify a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. What do you think it is about the time we're in that makes this possible now when it maybe wasn't 20 years ago? Because last year I interviewed one of your friends, um, Gatesy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he talked about how, you know, obviously those guys are massive nerds and they're, they're pretty old now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they didn't have something like this when they were growing up. And they would have loved it, especially, like, you know, they're into the board games, they're into yeah. video games. Like, why do you think it is now that this is finally able to, to come together. I think it's generational, man. I yeah. mean, like, we, so many of us have grown up playing video games from when we're kids, and, and what I see now is, is so many older gamers that have kids themselves and families. It's no longer this antisocial uh, stigma to actually play games. In fact, if anything, the rise of, of uh, your comic book movies and the success of gaming as an entertainment platform has really made it so geek and nerd are not really ostracized terms. It's actually kind of the other way around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, I think it's it's tough because we want it to be accessible and ac widely accessible to everyone, but there's still that holding on to what's special about it. Um, but yeah, I think it's just generational. Mm. You know, and My parents never played games because they didn't have them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Makes sense. And I, I think it's also, like for, for me at least, and being like kind of in the podcasting community, having friends all over the country, it's so great to have this event to look forward to where you know that everyone's going to be there. Yeah, right. Because there's, you know, there's RTX, but you kind of have to be into this kind of like specific content creators sure, to sure, sure. get the most out of that event. Yeah. And it's in Sydney. And then you've got like EB Expos obviously come into PAX now. And yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Comic Cons, but that's not for everyone. But yeah. I feel like PAX, if you like games, there is something for everyone. Yeah, that's that's the point. It's supposed to be this this part of pop culture, which I think is almost bigger than, it feels to me, bigger than any other part of pop culture that just draws people together. So PAX in Australia specifically is always, it was always designed to kind of be the Woodstock of gaming. Yeah. You know, to bring everyone from around the country together in this one moment. Hopefully to have more than just like a, a passing, hey, how you going to everyone yeah. you see. Uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely. And I think it's, it, it definitely does that. So it's awesome to just be here. And 
I've only been here for a couple of hours and I'm already seeing like 10 people walking. Brilliant. Just like not even planning to run into them, but just walking. Hey, hey man, come here. I love it. I yeah, love it. That's awesome. Oh, I'm glad to hear that, man. Yeah. What is it that you are most excited to see? Because there's so many great panels this year. There's so many great speakers and yeah. visitors. We've got Bethesda here. Yeah. Oh, their Q room th activation was amazing. So yeah. actually that, that was a lot of fun, actually seeing them count down to the opening of the show, do like confetti cannons yeah. out and all this kind of stuff. That's new. Actually, to be honest, for me, um, uh, at the moment, uh, I'm very focused on the UK side of the business. Uh, so EGX, the show over in the UK, and EGX Berlin, and the whole team that we have at Gamer Network. Uh, so we now uh, oversee uh, Eurogamer, Rock Paper Shotgun, VG247, Games and Biz, and we have a bunch of our YouTuber channels and YouTuber content creators that are actually down here at PAX Oz, outside Xbox and outside Extra. Uh, so they're here and seeing them see PAX, like they've never gone to a PAX before and kind of understand and get an appreciation for the PAX model and the, the PAX type of show. And I'm really excited to actually, you know, see how they, what they think of it and how they enjoy it. And then we can hopefully take a lot of the concepts we do here at PAX back to the UK and, and see how we can, you know, improve the shows over there and vice versa. That's cool. So uh, is there a different approach? Like I know people are essentially the same, but they're also not. So when you're planning an event for, you know, Boston or for Seattle or for Australia, like, is there a different approach to thinking oh. about the audience in mind? Oh yeah, you're like, don't even get me started on like different countries with <laughs> different languages. Yeah. Like EGX Berlin, whole, yeah. di like, amazing, whole different language, whole different culture, you know, and it's this, it's this crazy collaboration with the, the, the team that we have locally in that, in that market uh, to go, them going, oh, we understand, you know, the gaming community here and what, what an event should be. Uh, and us actually going, no, we want to work with you because we've got like 15 years experience of running gaming events, let's collaborate. And that process is, is, is messy, is, is fun, it's collaborative, it's argumentative, but it ultimately, I think it actually, you know, formulates a good show in a different market. But it is, the similarities I would say is that the gaming demographic, the gamers, tend to be very similar across all countries. Like sometimes, like in China, you know, consoles weren't legal there for like until about five years ago. So they're all very heavy PC gamers. Okay. They, they look at PCs as, as casual. And they look, if you've got an Xbox, oh my God, you're a hardcore gamer. Wow. But so there's differences like that, but the actual, uh, the concept of I, I like to play games, and I like to hang out with people and play games is pretty universal. So yeah. That's interesting. And would you say that there's like a, a, a future for PAX that's different than what we're seeing now? Or do you think that it will be more or less the same thing, but just slightly bigger every year until you reach a certain point? Well, I mean, I might know the answer to that, <laughs> but if I did, I couldn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's, uh, I don't know, like, it's very diplomatic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. That's your job, right? Yeah. 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 I got this. You're not getting this out of me. I'm stone cold sober, man. This is yeah. not going to work. I mean, I guess even like just to, to talk about this year, bringing EB Expo into what PAX is doing is a, 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 an interesting move for you guys. Like there yeah. was probably a lot of criticism from certain people at the time that like didn't understand what you were doing it for or, or like who's, who's going to be like pulling the strings there. But that was obviously something that's just kind of complementing what we're already doing and better for both sides, wasn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, the, the, the thing is like EB Games Expo was actually the only gaming show I was really able to go to in Australia and enjoy myself. Because, yeah. you know, it was the only one I didn't have to work at. So I was like playing games and catching up with a whole bunch of friends and whatnot. So you I had think, to ruin it for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that the challenge in Australia was you've got two big gaming expos that are very different in terms of how they operate, but you're stretching like the publishers thin in terms of having to actually go to one show and, and then another one two weeks later in a different state 
Uh, so it was actually really good to work closely with it. And we've always had a good relationship with EB, but we're like, okay, well, how do we how do we bring a lot of the elements of EB Games Expo that fit well into PAX would work well here uh, to collaborate in the show. So obviously their mega store, which makes total sense, their EB Live Theater. I always thought they did amazing demonstrations of gameplay and whatnot, very E3 like presentation stuff that I never felt we had here at PAX a lot, but now you know through them we do. So I like it. It, it feels like a natural progression for the, the gaming scene here in Australia yeah. to have like this just one collaborative combined mega gaming event where everyone can focus, you know, so yeah. yeah. As long as you don't live in Gold Coast, then you're like, damn it, now I have to fight. Hey, look, I'm a Queensland <laughs> boy, so I get it, I get it, yeah. uh, but uh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Melbourne, that's where it's at. <laughs> and so uh, what would you say has been the hardest part for you in terms of career-wise getting to this point and uh, being being who you are now? Uh, I think the uh, for me the hardest part is actually going from uh, being passionate about the gaming industry and gaming community to really getting an insight into how the gaming sector operates commercially and having to actually factor that in to decisions when it comes to like big events or whatnot, to really have to understand the event management side of things. Although I was saying before, like I'm proud of where I've come from and the entrepreneurial pursuits that I actually did, I probably would have been really freaking handy if I did an event course of some sort to teach me some of the basics <laughs> of event management and the, the legal logistical contract stuff. So well, that's, that's so much, isn't there? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I don't want to take away from the people that actually do that for a living properly and they've studied and they do other boring events. Um, but uh, <laughs> that would have been, that's that's been the hardest thing for me to wrap my head around that. So, yeah. Because sure. you're going from like a, a, a knowledge about games and, and media to an event with OHS, absolutely, and security, to, to, and to learn learn about square, you know all the square meters and booths and like what's required to actually put the like the behind the scenes of running an event is it's amazing, but it's not something I was intimately aware of. I ran events at a bar, man, yeah. at a gaming bar, like you know, swings and roundabouts, but not quite the same. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what would be your advice to anyone who sees an event like this and just thinks I'd love to be involved in this? I want to be you know, part of something as amazing as this event. Well, I mean, to, to be involved in like these, this event and whatnot, the first thing I'd say was look at our Enforcer Volunteer Program. And that's really a way to really see behind the scenes of the event. Our volunteers, our enforcers run the show, essentially. You know, all the different areas, they're the ones in yellow that are at the forefront of, of the event. And they all get the behind the scenes of the, the build up and the tear down and the intricacies that go in behind it. We work so closely with them. And I think if you if you become an enforcer for a period of time, you really get an appreciation and understanding uh, of, of what it takes to actually run an event or be a part of the operation of an event. That's the, the easiest way to look at it, I would say. Sure. Or the easiest option. And if someone wanted to be the next Yug, would, would being an enforcer be a good way to start? Oh God, I don't know, man. <laughs> Maybe it's a Highlander thing. Maybe you need to kill off Luke Lancaster and actually get in that line. I don't know. So. <laughs> Yeah, okay. My last question for you, Guy. All right. If you could do anything and know that you wouldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, uh, um, and know that I wouldn't fail. Guaranteed success. Guaranteed success. Uh, I'd, I'd launch a gaming show in China. Yeah? Yeah. In China? In China. Why? Yeah, uh, because I think uh, the China Chinese market, this is, this is getting real dry now, but I think uh, China is, is the, the next frontier of amazing gaming culture and consumers. I think I've just, I've been over there and doing some things over there that's just amazing, really impressive. I mean, they've got challenges, don't get me wrong, but it's just this untapped market of gaming community sure. that I think is just super exciting. Uh, and it's it's hard to 
hard to make things work over there from a Western point of view. So that would be that would be a dream. So, actually. so are you saying that they're kind of a little behind where our media is at for that kind of thing? So that there's a, a, a way to get in there before no, it happens? No, or? not not behind. It's it's just it's it's just different. And right. man, like. The, the, the people that I've met over there and I've, I've caught up with a bunch of the gaming communities and local groups, like they're just so passionate and they just they, they, they don't have the kind of interactions that, that we've got in a lot of the Western markets when it comes to big gaming events or, or festivals or associational groups pulling people together. So I just think that'd be so much fun. I don't have an answer on, on how to do it though. If I did, <laughs> then this question would be irrelevant. Yeah. You'd be doing it. I'd be doing it. So, I mean, yeah. it sounds like you've got contacts over there through the events that you run, though, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good. Look, so. any, anywhere we can do a gaming event where it's needed or should happen and where it can really service the community and bring people together in a meaningful way, uh, I want to be involved in that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's, uh, we're shaking hands now for the yeah, audio. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, right. It's great because okay. I usually do these over like Google Hangouts. So oh. to actually like stand in front of someone and talk to them and look at them in the eye. It's, it's so much better, isn't and it? Like, you got this you know, dynamic thing. I'm now placing Touch. my hand. Oh my God, we're touching each other. <laughs> Thank you for listening and thanks to Audio Technica. You can catch Yug on Twitter at Yugstar. If you enjoyed the show, please do me a favor and leave an iTunes review. It goes a really long way to helping out the show. Hey, maybe I'll even knock off Yug's podcast from years back. If you really enjoyed the show, you can leave a review or pick up some merch over at 8bit.net slash P-I-W. That's A-T-E-B-I-T. And of course, please follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jono himself. And until next week, keep putting in work.